Kids Comics. And here are your hosts, Michael and Andrew Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome to episode one of Hey Kids Comics 2.0. That's what we decided, right? That is. Which is what you decided. Okay. Or beneath Hey Kids. Beneath the planet of Hey Kids Comics. Escape from the planet of Hey Kids Comics. War on the Hey Kids Comics. <laughs> A good day to Hey Kids Comics. <laughs> Take your pick. Take your pick. Today... We will be continuing our look, which for episode one is ever so slightly bizarre, but go with us. Uh, are for the Superman trilogy, trilogy of philosophical blockbusters, one might say. Uh, the funeral for a friend, or what was it in the comics? A world without a Superman. No, it was funeral for a friend in the comics. Yeah. And then when they did the initial trade paperback, it was world without a Superman, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And then they reverted to funeral for a friend. For the actual stories. In case you are wondering and did not listen to our Zero episode, where we reintroduced ourselves and laid out our mission statement, such as it is, uh, Hey Kids Comics special number 38 was part of this. It was Doomsday Part 1. It's not very special if there's 38 of them. That's how many specials we did. We just would not go away. (laughs) Um, This was Christmas 2021 that we did that. And we followed that up with talking about Star Trek, because that's what we did. So we thought it would be fun to pick up what we did with this, because when we did this originally, our first episode was all about Superman. Yeah. I don't remember what we covered. Did Secret Origins. Did we do Origin? Secret Origins? Wow. Did we like it? I think it was so long ago. I don't remember. And I'm not listening back just to find out my own opinion. I'm tempted to, but I would imagine that the audio on those early episodes is really quite bad. Mm. They're all available. If you want to go on the feed, the original feed, they're all available. They won't be available through as many channels because we used to use copyrighted music and that's not happening this time. Uh, So when we dive into this, we have got two, count them, two. Lovely volumes from which to work. What have you got, Michael? I have got the trade that was part of the the five trade collection. Uh, I think it was quite recently as well. These were a Christmas present off you a while back. Yeah. Uh, so this is mine. Volume so number is, two. This is volume number of two. Of five. Of five. Because Reign of and Return of are two separate trades. So I was informed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking? When they were originally right. traded, Return of Superman was one volume. Okay. So they must have cut issues out of that. I'm sure, well, they did that with Nightfall and Night's Quest. Yeah, in the initial trade paperback. So, yeah. Well, I have got the Omnibus, which I can't actually lift up because it is too damn big. But they have released this Omnibus mm-hmm. on three separate occasions. The first one was apparently a dog. Right. Um, and featured very, very, very many missing issues that pe- and people weren't fond of that. So they released, released it again. Sorry. Um, this is the one I have, the second volume. And then they released it again because people complained that there was still stuff missing. There is still stuff missing. There is one, still yeah. stuff missing. And we will talk about that as we go along. But yeah, this uh, this has this has stuff missing. Mine goes straight from Superman issue seventy five. It does not have the gatefold splash no, of mine. Superman dying. That is in the new omnibus. Is it? They have republished it with the gatefold. 
that is only available in Superman 75. Gatefolds and omnibuses are uh, dangerous. Mm. Did you buy the recent facsimile edition? I didn't. No. Uh, I wanted, because they released the 30th anniversary mm. special, and I wanted the special, um, but the I think the special had sold out, so I went into Forbidden Planet, and I picked it up, and I was like, oh yeah, I really want this, and I'm flicking through, and I'm going, hang on. I've, I've re- got this. I've read this before. No, yeah. the special had sold out, but they had loads of the facsimile edition left. Right. I got the 30th anniversary special. Yeah, I wanted that because there's the special edition in the in the poly bag with the armband. Oh, just don't like... you have it now? Oh, you wanted the special edition? No, it... I, I wanted the anniversary right. special, not the reprint. Right. And did you never get it? I never got it because it, it sold out. Because I, I found a copy in the pound bin. Why did I not buy it? I have no idea. Inconsiderate, mm-hmm. that's okay. why. That is, that is me, yes. Uh, following the decision to kill Superman off, DC Comics <laughs> were then left with the actual job of telling a story. Killing a character is easy. It's what you do after that matters. And Funeral for a Friend, a.k.a. World Without a Superman, is the epilogue after six issues of relentless punching. A time for reflection, mourning, and moving on as the characters all learn to accept that Superman is really most sincerely dead and where they go from here. I say really most sincerely dead. <laughs> he'd, he'd get better. Ostensibly an eight-part story that doesn't include the one-shot legacy of Superman, which slots in between part six and seven, an issue of Justice League that is really a zero issue, and Adventures of Superman 500, which is the end of the second act before we move on to the reign of the Superman, the conclusion. In my omnibus, Funeral for a Friend ran through Adventures of Superman 498, Superman 77, all through to Superman 77, sorry, for a total of eight issues. Sandwiched in between, the Legacy of Superman 64-page one-shot. Numerous different creative teams ran across these issues and included writers Roger Stern, Dan Jurgens, Jerry Ordway and Louise Simonson. Artists John Bogdanove, Tom Grummet, Jackson Guise, Dan Jurgens, Doug Hazelwood, Brett Breeding, Dennis Yankee and... Dennis Rodier. However, yours is different. Uh, it's slightly different. Uh, I think it covers most of the same. It just has the inclusion of uh, Justice League 70, which I don't think yours no, does. No, Justice League 70 is not in here. And the uh, Supergirl and Team Luthor special. Which is also not in here. But apart from that, I believe it's all the same. So even my second omnibus volume is incomplete. And that's probably why they did the third one, put them in that. Money-grabbing scum. Anyway, the synopsis runs as thus. In the immediate wake of Superman's death, all attempts at a revival of the Man of Steel are attempted but proved fruitless. The vultures circle within the scientific think tank, the Cadmus Project, making a claim for the body. But Lex Luthor too steps in and arranges for Mer Berkowitz to override the Cadmus Order and have Superman buried in Metropolis. Lex also has Supergirl take to the streets, protecting the city from opportunistic chances, but not me and you. In secret, though, Lex is annoyed that Doomsday took away his chance for revenge on Superman. Elsewhere, Lois, Clark's parents and friends all mourn in their own way. It's particularly tough on Martha and Jonathan Kent, unable to tell the world Superman was their son, or even attend the state funeral he is thrown. The Clintons do attend. They do come to Metropolis to see Lois and decide if the truth of his dual identity should be shared with the world. Along with Lana Lang, the only other person who knows Clark's secret, the Kents and Lois decide to protect it. As the rest of the DC heroes try to help out with Superman's workload, attending to his annual Christmas list, whereby Superman answers letters to him in an effort to help real people, the teenager Mitch... Oh. 
also journeys to Metropolis, having lost everything in the fight with Doomsday. Mitch blames himself for Superman's death. If Superman hadn't saved him and his family, maybe he wouldn't have died fighting Doomsday. A chance meeting with Jimmy Olsen shows him that this isn't the way, as Flash and Green Lantern set about helping rebuild Mitch's house. Underneath Superman's tomb, however, someone has claimed the body of the Man of Steel. Lex orders Supergirl to investigate, but she's hampered by the Underdwellers and having to save Sergeant Dan Terrible Turpin's life when he too follows upon the case of the missing body. Anyway, it's Cadmus, a super scientific research body run by Paul Westfield and home to many super tight projects such as Guardian and Double X. Westfield believes they can at least try to make a clone of Superman, and if they can, maybe bring him back in some form. Lois doesn't take kindly to this idea. After getting a whiff of the Superman's missing body story, she learns of Cadmus' involvement. This gives her road rage and she splashes the news all over the front page, which inadvertently leads to Jonathan Kent suffering a massive heart attack. So, well done, Lois. As the Doctors struggle to save him, Lois involves Lex in the quest to get Cadmus to return Superman's body to the tomb. Involving Lex isn't Lois' smartest move, but no one else is aware that Lex is really a cloned body with his father's brain inside him comics. He's also a murderer, having killed one of his personal trainers for daring to beat him in a fight. Lex employs Supergirl to join in and, between them, they return Superman's body to its rightful place. As Lois says a private goodbye, Lex gloats that he's done it. He's buried Superman. Elsewhere, Jonathan Kent breathes his last. Or does he? Trapped in a strange limbo, Jonathan starts to believe he can return to the land of the living and bring Clark back with him. Against impossible odds, he and Clark make it back. Sort of. Jonathan comes in to... I've said said that I was doing so well. (laughs) Jonathan comes to in the ICU. It's poetry, it rhymes. But where's Clark? Well, he's not in the tomb. Lois and Inspector Henderson take a look and Superman's body is missing. Just as all over Metropolis, reports start coming in of a people being helped out of dire situations. Four sightings reveal four men, all resembling a certain Superman. The ruthless last son of Krypton, the kind man of steel, the cyborg man of tomorrow, and don't call me Superboy. That wasn't bad for like 12 issues worth of story, was it? Well, it's actually um, not to shoot my load too early. <laughs> funeral for a well, friend. Well, I understand that is an issue. Funeral for a friend, I think, is the weakest of of this uh, of the the grand story because it treads just a lot. Like the the tires keep moving, but we keep spinning, but they're not moving because a lot of it's just repetition. And so that summary is like two issues, really. Mm. See, it's all just a lot of. Oh, I'm terribly sad. I agree and disagree because I quite like the Funeral for a Friend stuff. A lot of it. Okay. One of the things that got me on this reread was this is completely in isolation. I hadn't reread, I didn't reread The Death of Superman. I did. Because I don't really need to. So this was the first time I've read Funeral for a Friend on its own. Okay. And not part of the whole since it came out and I was reading the monthly comics. Mm. And the first thing that hits you, they don't give you any concession. No. They assume you are reading this monthly and you know who all these characters are. And it's not just knowing who Superman, Lois Lane, Perry White, who's burly in this, yeah. and Jimmy Olsen are. You've got to know Cadmus. Yep. You've got to know Terrible Turpin. Yep. You've got to know the SCU and Maggie Sawyer. Yep. You've got to know Westfield. You've got to know Guardian. 
and, and Double X and Bibbo and the Newsboy Legion and oh. all those other wacky things that exist Gang in Cadmus. Yeah, and yeah, and Gangbuster Who's and Catherine Grant. One of the main characters yeah. in this. And it's really reading it now, that's really weird. It's one of my favourite aspects of it. The whole kind of comics as a soap opera thing. You don't see that at all in comics. No, these not even days. in Spider Man. Um, you know, there's having such a huge cast of supporting characters. No comic really has that anymore. Uh, I think that the amount of reboots and issue ones and writing for the trade has kind of eliminated the comics as a soap opera. Mm. So it's really refreshing to kind of go back and kind of to see this era of comics that doesn't really exist anymore. No, and it, it was a, a nice throwback because like you say, if they'd have written this for the trade... Yeah. They would have slimmed it down an awful lot. They oh, would have removed a lot issues. of the fat, yeah. And an, an awful lot of the texture would not be here. And it's that texture that makes you think you have literally dropped into the middle of somebody's life. And it's never confusing. That was another thing I thought was quite interesting about it. They do a good enough job of bringing you up to speed with all these people. Because, again, I was reading these when yeah. they were coming out, so I kind of vaguely remembered it. But it's not something I've revisited a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not. It doesn't live rent-free in my head all the time. Yeah. It's kind of the sort of vaguely remember it. Like, if they do a nod to it in Superman and Lois, okay. the TV show, you're kind of like, oh, God, yeah, I remember that. But I don't remember it. Yeah. But it did all come flooding back as I was reading the issue. There are a couple of places where I agree with you. The first issue, that's wheel spinning a lot. It is an entire issue of just trying to get the paddles to work on Superman. Yeah. And, and get a glimmer of life out of him. Well, they didn't mind it because this first one is just the straight up, the epilogue to it. Mm. There's great um, kind of a messing up in the... Uh, continuity. In the continuity of it. So at the end of the last issue, we see that uh, Bloodwind and Ice are absolutely Bloodwind. fine. We turn the page and... Ice is dying, but, you know, Bloodwind can go rescue her. And then yeah. uh, in Justice League of the next one, we see the same scene. And uh, she's she's absolutely fine, crying over it. And I think one of my favourite things about this as well is everyone is such a kind of... Um, everyone's so stricken of grief that they're their, their own main character. You know, Lois is crying over Superman's body, but it's Bloodwind going... Oh, this is very sad indeed. We get Justice League where everyone's mourning. It's Ice who's given a monologue this time. Everyone's their own main character. In I'm grieving him more. No, I'm grieving him more. It is fascinating to me that that issue is completely missing from my omnibus. Well, it's interesting as well because this is the one where the armbands show up and the armbands were across all of the comics around this time. Yeah. Even, even in Nightfall, Batman and Robin are still wearing the armbands. Do you know that's a nod? Hmm? That's a nod to an episode of Superpowers, okay. a nineteen sixties cartoon, seventies superhero cartoon, right? Where they mourned Superman with black armbands. Okay. So even that was a was a homage to something that had been done before. It is cute though. Like, so all the Justice League show up and kind of mourn, hmm. um, but then Oberon just shows up and he's like, "Here's all some armbands I've just made up." And I was like, "Yes, we will wear them." And even Guy Gardner's like, "Oh, you know, I suppose." Ice decides to make a giant ice statue in his memory because, you know, that'll last. <laughs> that won't melt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we get this really 
great bits of um, just melodrama with Booster Gold really worried that he's best pals in the hospital as yeah, well. Yeah, some really nice touches in this. Blue one. Beetle got the crap kicked out of him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, but none of that, none of that is in here at all. That's all completely missing. For me, the the bits that were the best were Lois having to internalize everything. Yeah, because she can't let it be known that this is Clark. Yeah. And that essentially she's just watched her fiance be beaten to death in front of her. Yeah. So she can't let any of that on. So I'm assuming that this woman was in therapy <laughs> for many, many weeks after this. Or she would be if it was written today. Yeah. Uh, and the Jonathan Kent stuff. And the Jonathan and Martha Kent stuff is literally one page in this first issue. All the stuff with the Kents is great. Yeah. Uh, but there's also other things. What did, did you remember that Supergirl was this blob from space? I did. And... I laughed out loud because I reread uh, Death Of and I'm reading it on the bus to work and there's the bit where so we've got all this build up to Supergirl joining the fight to rescue him and she flies out and just her face just gets punched and turns <laughs> to I laughed out loud so yeah I, I, I did remember uh, if it was, it's like you said I remembered nearly all of the kind of background soap proper stuff in this without it having to be explained because it's weird how things just like stick and mm. then it's like Oh yeah, this is coming back to me now. I didn't remember Guardian being Cat uh, Grant's partner at all. Oh, Gangbuster. Yeah. I, oh yeah, sorry, Guardian's the other guy, isn't he? Yeah. I didn't remember that at all. I did not care for Gangbuster whatsoever. He just showed up, he was there. Do you know what I always think? And I think they were doing this intentionally. He just was, you know, bargain basement Batman, wasn't he? Yeah, because... He messes up at every given yeah. opportunity. He's he's like he's like Batman if Batman was a bit shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's, there's even the line of just like, I don't know why you're doing a private phone call telling me that you're just beating up some criminals. I'm not the Commissioner Gordon to your Batman. Yeah, and, it, well, and he's, he's not got the money. Yeah. So he's not got the funding. He's yeah. not really got the training that Batman's had. He just... Because I, I couldn't remember who Kangbuster was. I had no idea. So I'm, I just did not care for him or his story he just he was just there and that carried on i mean throughout when i was actually reading these when they were coming out as a kid yeah. i say as a kid god knows what i've been about 18 by that point i don't remember anyway i i didn't care about gangbuster then i was yeah. kind of like i get what you're doing here guys yeah you're doing a riff on batman if batman wasn't very good and you're showing that if if it was really just keep falling off his bat rope and breaking <laughs> his legs and it would be a bit crap. But it's not real, it's comics. Well, it's not real, it's comics. So I'm a little bit bored of this. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't mind him in his everyday life. Right. Jose Delgado? Delgado. I didn't yeah. mind him. You just have him as a supporting character. Because wasn't he dating Lois for a bit as well? Oh, was didn't he? Didn't he try a whole <clears throat> triangle got, thing? Has he got a thing for journalists? He must have a thing for journalists. Yeah. I did find it kind of weird in this first bit as well, this first issue, mm. that I was kind of on Westfield's team a bit. Like, I got what he was doing. He was made out to be the bad guy. And just, I was like, yeah, why wouldn't the government want to take Superman and Doomsday's body? That makes complete sense. Yeah, and nobody cares about them taking Doomsday's body. Yeah. It's just because they want Superman's body. Yeah. But like you say, his argument is, if we can clone him yeah. and bring him back... Why would we not do that? I mean, he doesn't explain that at first, so I get it, yeah, but... Yeah, he's just been a dick at first. But at the same time, like, you know, he is 
technically working for the government yeah. and he, he, he kind of he's a higher rank than Turpin and Sawyer yeah and you do have a thing as well as Arkham Lex was able to pull that many strings yeah with the myrrh money to, well yeah obviously did you remember all that backstory mm-hmm. that this Lex Luthor is Australian and is actually a cloned body with the original Lexi's brain. I didn't remember him being Australian. I know I knew that he was the clone because he dies of cancer from the ring in the John Byrne run. Yeah. So I remember that he's actually technically his son, but a clone of himself mm. as his son. So I remembered all that. It was the Australian thing I didn't remember. Do you not so remember like, that? So why is he calling everyone mate? What's this about? Well, if you read it with the... I mean, I'm not Australian. I did read it with the accent. Did you? Of well, course you try I did. To. But you're, you read it with the accent and you're like, I'm pretty sure these people have never met an Australian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe the Australians loved this character. <laughs> I'm Lex Luthor, mate. And I could uh, I could be completely wrong. So, so, yeah, the first one starts off well. The art in this is the best of the lot. Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood were my Grummet, personal favourite. the best of all of it. I like Jurgens, but only when Jurgens a bit kind of in between like Perez and Byrne hmm. and that's where I like Jurgen somewhere between that soft spot I'm typically not a fan of him because I just find him a bit too stiff he's writing and his art just a bit stiff see I like Jurgen's and I like what essentially he does with what he's doing with it I like his ideas that he brings to the table I'm not a massive fan of Jackson Guice yeah only because not because I don't like his art I felt that he was constantly just doing Kirby rip-offs or homages okay, yeah. all the way through to the point where sometimes I was like, if I want to see a comic drawn by Jack Kirby, I mm. will read a comic drawn by Jack Kirby. Whereas when Bogdanov did it, and Bogdanov again is one of my favourite artists in this, when he does the Kirby, it's like, okay, yep, that's cool, I'll buy this. Yes, because I think what Bogdanov does is he does it very spurringly. Yeah. You're like, if you look at the first page of part three where Lex is having his ear done, you're not getting the Jack Kirby vibe from these pages. But when he does Cadmus. But when he does Cadmus, yeah, you get a Kirby vibe. Yeah. Whereas with Guice, I think every single page looks like a Kirby stamp. Look how Guardian stood on yeah. page 200 and whatever that is of the Omnibus, 211. That's a Kirby stance. But it's an interesting kind of marriage between that as well, because his art style isn't anywhere like that. No. And it just seemed it seemed like a really weird artistic choice for him to make to constantly be trying to aping Jack Kirby. When his art style isn't close yeah. enough to make it work. And it's and it's not like he's specifically working on the Jimmy Olsen aspects of the strip, mm. which, again, you would get because it's Jimmy Olsen where Cadmus and all that stuff came from, yeah. which was Jack Kirby. So I, 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 didn't, I wasn't really down with that, and it's not because I disrespect him as an artist. I like his art generally. I didn't like that he seemed to be drawing this as if he was channeling Jack Kirby. I wasn't really that big a fan of it. I did like the scene in the middle of it where the guys try and take down Supergirl and think they can do it because she's a girl. Yeah. And they, and she just hands them their arse. As a kind of, again, the artwork's kind of weird that Supergirl just shows up and her way of doing it is a very kind of... Yeah, she shows up in the mirror. Come on, well, she shows up kind of... Here's my boobs, boys. Skirt, you know, lifted high. Yeah. She's got a hand in between, like, come on now. Yeah, there is a little bit of 90s cheese to it. Yeah. Certainly her costume skirt is exceptionally short. Whereas in the TV show, Melissa Benoist had a much longer skirt on yeah. before she moved to long pants. Yeah. Which is why my favourite look was always the Kylie Minogue hot pants. Okay. Because it made sense to me that she would wear shorts. Yeah. 
rather than a skirt. But, you know, that's just me. I did like the Bibbo bit. I love Bibbo. I think the Bibbo bit was lovely, where he has that scene at the end where he's like, you know, God, why why have you taken Superman? Why have you left me? Mm. I don't contribute. I don't do anything. But over the course of the series, you see that's wrong. He does contribute. Yeah. Everybody contributes in their own way. Well, I did like when it was actually, when the story was actually moving, the kind of characters adjusting to it was really good. I just mm. felt like I kept seeing it a lot. Kind of every character had this same story arc of acceptance that when you're reading it in a story like this, together instead of monthly, it just mm. gets a bit, okay, we're doing this again. Well, it, it's all, isn't it also dealing with that Kubla Khan stages of grief thing? It's not Kubla Khan, is it? <laughs> Kubla Ross. Right, okay. <laughs> In Xanadu did Kubla Khan <laughs> decree these seven stages of grief? Um, that's what they're doing yeah. for these number of issues. But there is a little bit of wheel spinning to get to Adventures 500. It's yeah. like when they've mapped it out. I've never seen that this is true. And in the trades, they do have like the whiteboard mm. where they mapped out all the information, don't they? Yeah. So I've never but seen that this is true. That's one of the bonuses true. in the back of Death of, I think. Yeah, I think it's in here somewhere. One of the things I thought was, did they go, right, okay, Superman 75 of his death. Then we've got an anniversary of Superman 500. Yeah. And then we've got this anniversary we've got to hit. And there's, all right, how do we get from point A to point B? So they're B? just filling in the gaps, more or less. I think so. I don't know that that's ever been stated or proven or whatever. Mm. But I always think that it seems that way to me. But I could be wrong. Now here's a fun one as well. So I don't know if you had the same problem as me. So we've got the, the funeral procession. Yes. And it's supposed to be big and busy and bustling. But Lois Lane just happens to stumble into it. We hear that the procession's going over the plaque where Superman fell. Lois Lane just stumbles into it. And she's got this monologue of, oh, I've got to fight the crowds. What crowds, Lois? Because <laughs> well, uh, I'm not seeing it in the art anyway. It seems a little bit... I presume... Well, no, because it's still raining, isn't it? Because it's like... One minute she stood on top of the Daily Planet globe and the question becomes, one, she seems to be wearing Spawn's cape <laughs> on that panel. But the other is, how did she get up there? I mean, in the past, it's assumed that Superman gets her up there. Yeah. And they land on there and that's where they have their private moment away from private eyes and all yeah. that stuff. But how, how has she climbed up that globe There's... and then walked round the circumference? There's a ladder, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> To stand on the edge in the rain. Yep. So presumably it's very slippy. And then next thing you know, she's all the way down at the bottom. But yeah, there's no crowds near Lois. And I do like that the characters do draw attention to why she's so upset about Superman. Yeah. But she doesn't seem to be giving a crap about Clark. Well, no, because they, they do keep saying that. It's like, well, you know, she is still upset that, that Clark's missing. Yeah, but you wouldn't know that she's upset about Superman. Yeah. Now we know why, and she knows why, but, but everyone else isn't supposed to know. But Clark Kent's one of the missing bodies. Yes, he is. So but she seems she just seems to be keep crying over Superman. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think Lois gets a little bit lost throughout all of this. Right. I think her and Jonathan and Martha should have been the focus of this eight issues. Yeah. And they don't tend to be. Yeah. A lot of the the Cadmus stuff keeps creeping back in. In places where I didn't think it needed to be there. Yeah. And honestly, I think Lois should have told Perry. I think that this story of this kind of nature, that would have been the perfect time to kind of have that. Yeah. Especially if she really thought he was dead and wasn't coming back. Yeah. 
And I think Perry would have kept it. And that would have given them something to really dig into when they bring him back. Yeah. But then that's another thing. Reading this as it come out, mm-hmm. we didn't think he was really dead and that he wasn't ever coming back. But no. the marketing was so well done that Funeral for a Friend was coming out, but you knew because of what they talked about that after Funeral for a Friend, all the books were going on hiatus. Okay. There was months without a Superman book. Right. And then Legacy of Superman would come out yeah. to tide you over. And then you'd have another couple of weeks. And then Team Luther would come out. Okay. And then another couple of weeks. And then Adventures of Superman 500 were solicited. And you thought, oh, right, he's coming back in 500. And then he didn't. Yeah, okay. And how they handled all of that was masterful. Right. It was, And you don't get that reading it in a So trade. you think this works better at the time? It yes. better then? Because reading it now, you can see the cracks being papered over. Okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you can see, well, she's not telling Perry because they know he's coming back. Yeah. And they know when he's coming back yeah. and how he's coming back. And if she tells Perry, that kind of upsets our apple cart and status quo. Yeah. And there is only so far they were willing to go at this point with regards to that. They'd already had Lois learn who he was mm-hmm. and proposed to her. If you think about it, at the time, that was a massive deal. Yeah. It was a massive change to who he was as a character and to his regular status in the stories yeah. in comparison to the previous 60 years where it was always Lois was trying to figure out who he was. All of that was now gone. Yeah. And I think they didn't want to take that risk of having Perry know as well, even though, as you say, in the story, it makes more sense for Lois to confide in him. Yeah. And him actually say, but the Kents have decided they don't want to make it public. Mm-hmm. I'm trusting you. Because you need to know Clark's not coming back. Yeah. And why? Mm -hmm. And that does make sense character-wise. And it's also, you know, Perry White was always more than just the editor. Yeah. Like, he was always... I know... Didn't recently Bendis had it where he I didn't read any of Bendis's room. Yeah, so Bendis had Superman tell Perry White. And it's a cute little moment where he kind of gets up and hugs him and that. But that's much less deserved than, say, like this. Than doing it here. Because Perry White's more than just the editor character. He's the friend character. He's the mentor character. Yeah, he wasn't just the boss. And in yeah. the new ones, he's just learned out Clark was Superman had a heart attack and he's in hospital. Oh, dear. Lois is now editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet. Oh, right, okay. Which is a story, I think, it's a brilliant story, babe. Yeah. Because she's really struggling with this idea of, I'm not the on-street reporter anymore. Yeah. Clark is. Mm. And she has to keep giving him the assignments that she wants for herself. Right, okay. But she's took on the editor-in-chief role. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. That's cool. I liked Lobo's little scene. Did I you? Don't, I, don't, I don't mind a bit of Lobo. Ugh, I can't fucking stand Lobo. I don't mind Lobo. I liked Batman and Robin being... Batman and Robin. Being security. Because it makes sense as well. Batman mourns on his own, but he also knows that there's still a job to do. Yep. I'm like, I'm going to do it his way. (laughs) Like, yeah, like you were going to kill him, Batman. (laughs) Really? Yeah, because Nightfall's not started yet, has it? It's not. Nightfall is a result of this, isn't it? Yeah, so when Nightfall starts, he's still wearing the armband. So it kind of takes place just So it must be coming up. I like this guy, this chancer. I like this guy. Selling polybagged daily planets. He looks like... Someone like yes. someone real. I thought he looks like someone real, but at the wedding, the wedding, at the funeral, they're similar. Yeah, at the funeral, all the people in the crowd look like people. Look like I mean, I'm pretty sure that's Mike Carl in there, in right. the green, but I don't know anyone else. I couldn't point you out to you know Roger Stern or yeah Louise Simonson or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's Carlin. Okay, because Carlin's in an early episode of Lois and Clark. 
So you have a likeness. Not Lewis and Super. That's why I know what he looks like. Right. And I think that that's him. It's also very kind of funny to kind of take a jab at themselves as well. Like, this is, we're going to turn it into a marketing stunt when it was, in and of itself, a marketing stunt. And it's quite clever that he's selling t shirts with the bleeding S on. And poly bagged coffees with armbands included. And and ultimately, that's one of its big selling points. It never loses its sense of humour about itself. Mm. Can you imagine if they did something like this nowadays? It would be portentous and it'd be all so serious and they'd be up their own arse with it. Here, they keep a sense of fun about it. Mm -hmm. And I do like that Bibbo offers the guy a job. Yeah, Bibbo's just great, man. I love Bibbo. Bibbo's, is he still in it? Is he still in Superman Strips? I don't oh, know. No, I've, I've not read Superman in a long time. Ah, right, okay. I'll read the new ones, because I think Tom Taylor's doing a good job with okay. John Kent. Yeah. And the like, action and Superman are quite good at the minute. I picked it up again because I was excited at the idea of Bendis doing Man of Steel, and I was wrong. You were wrong. <laughs> wrong. I hate to admit it, but man, I should have known. Yes, yes, we should have. We should have. If you go back and listen to older episodes, Julie, we've not really ever been in love with Mr. Bendis's writer. No, uh, I'm sure he's a lovely man. On anything but Spider-Man. Spider-Man's Wee, fine. Even then. <laughs> I'm glad he never got his hands on real Spider-Man. Okay. You, just, you know, you, you stick with Ultimate. Um, President Clinton and Hillary show up. Not a bad likeness. It's not, and I can't help but read it in his voice. Yeah. I can't help but wonder who's under the podium. <laughs> you know, like a police academy deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, I don't think we should dwell on that too the much. Kent's having their own little funeral as well. Yeah, is lovely. That's very cute. And they're burying his teddy bear. Mm. And the scrap, I love that scrapbook goes all the way back to the early burn issues. Okay, yeah. Because that's how Lana Lang ended up getting kidnapped and tortured by Lo- uh, by Lex. Right, okay. Because of that scrapbook. The Kent stuff, like I know, I keep saying it's some of the best bits as well. But yeah, just like that duality of. Superman and Clark Kent mm-hmm. and even uh, Jonathan keeps saying it like you know they've got Superman mm-hmm. we can't have him but we've still got our memory and idea of Clark Yeah, and that's some of the strongest aspects of this the separation of the two and how the Kents kind of have to deal with the fact that Superman doesn't belong to them no Superman belongs to the world. It's interesting just looking at you. Your paper's a lot glossier than mine, isn't it? Yeah, when I was looking through your omnibus earlier, the, the matte paper's just so much better. I don't like this, but, you know, this is how it is. Well, yours has got full-edge bleed as well. If you look at it, your Funeral for a Friend, the Superman issue 76, the cover, yeah. you've got a full black line, and your mm. your, your image is actually a little bit bigger. Well, I actually think mine it works a bit that. better than having the black border and the white border. Mm. I don't know. Uh, next one is, like I say, Superman whatever. 76. Um, this is Metropolis Mailbag 2. Were so this you is familiar with Metropolis Mailbag? I was aware that this is something that he did. Yes. And the fact that it's called 2 made me assume. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm guessing it's just a sequel to a previous issue. Yes. In a previous issue called Metropolis Mailbag, we saw that what Superman does every Christmas Eve yeah. is he goes to the post office yeah. and the post office save his mail for him. And okay. he goes through them at super speed. And anyone that are just like thank you notes or can you sign, endorse this deal he gets rid of. Okay, yeah. But any that are specifically asking for help that only he can do, yeah, he'll go and try and help a couple of people. Right. Not everyone, because yeah. he can't do everything. Yeah, yeah. But he will just go and help people with specific problems. Yeah. And this picks up from that with the heroes essentially doing the same thing. On the one hand, I liked how this dovetailed. I like that Mitch who you despise... Can't stand him. ...is the kid from Death of Superman who's dissing on Superman. Because yes. he's the 
reader analogue, isn't he? Yeah. He's the Image Comics reader who was saying Superman's boring, I'd rather eat Spawn. To be all fair to Mitch, this fictional character, yeah. I think my, my problem with him is basically because he represents everything that I dislike about Dan Jurgens' writing style. Mm. Uh, just the way that he talks as well. Like, There's no good example like there is in, in Death of... If you read Mitch's dialogue in Death of Superman out loud, it's perfect. But here it's just like, oh... Face it, life sucks. Bad enough my ma's gonna kill me for sneaking on a bus and coming out of Metropolis. But then I get here and the sky's open. Huh, might as well be a typhoon. Like, it's... Jurgens is writing as stiff. And I don't know how this read at the time, but reading this now, it's just so stilted. Compared to some of the other writers as well, I can tell you, without reading the credits, hmm. I can tell you exactly which issues were written by Jurgens just because of how stiff if everyone is right which yeah I, see i kind of don't disagree with you but mitch is supposed to be an asshole isn't he well it's the more kind of um an old man's idea of what young people talk like I yeah guess. and like i say he is supposed to be the analog for the spawn fans who were yeah. saying superman's awful but have now bought all these comics because yeah. they're worth something but i do like the dovetailing of it i do like that he calls back to doomsday mm-hmm. maybe superman could have stopped doomsday earlier if he hadn't gone back to help these family yeah but it's the letter that green lantern reads later and he and the flash go and help rebuild their house yeah and i, I do find it hilarious as well that wonder woman essentially beats up his dad to going back and it's so because i don't think we ever see those again but it's basically just they're reunited so suddenly the divorce is annulled and they're back together now because that's how you know that's how divorce works (laughs) yeah that's absolutely right uh what i liked about this is you've got thingy with the red hair is she matrix maxima maxima i love maxima she's a big deal is she yeah well apparently (laughs) because she's in these comics i love maxima maxima's kind of like wonder woman if she does kind of beat her she's like wharf She's superhero Wolf. <laughs> yeah, she's Wolf. If, if like it is a good day to die. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'd forgotten what a, that she was actually a big deal for a short amount of time, but she's here front and center in this story. And there's a party that's like, eh? yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I remember that she was okay. So I don't. I don't mind all the reconciliation stuff at the end. It's a little bit pat that Jimmy and Mitch walk away just as Lois and the Kents and Lana arrive. Yeah, but, but you know. Well, speaking of Jimmy and Mitch as well, it is cute to go back to, you know, Bibbo's arc as well. And by the time we get here, it's Bibbo, Consoler, Mitch, because mm. he's come to his acceptance. He's like, well, this is what happened. Of course, Superman rescued you, because that's what he did. Yeah, that's what he does for people. And then you're back to adventures, so you're back to Tom Grimmett. This one, this one was a little bit confusing for me, because on the one hand, Lex is clearly sleeping with Supergirl. Yeah, but then he's sleeping with... It's implied but that he's sleeping with someone else night, as well. It's heavily implied. Yeah, you get three or four pages in. The same night, he's in bed with this redhead. Yeah. And you're like, bloody hell, Lex. You know, he's he's young and virile now. Look, I can tell. The hell. He's, and did it, is she on speed dial? This yeah. redhead. <laughs> right, right, Supergirl's just gone out. If you want to come round... <laughs> Does, does she live in the same building? Uh, maybe, is she the well, neighbour? Yeah. He, he owns the building, so yeah. maybe she's in the apartment next door. Yeah, so there's... There's a lot... The Alex stuff is very, very interesting in this. Because he is now pretending to be really nice to everybody. Despite his evil monologues. Despite as well, his evil monologues. Great. And nobody is yet aware 
of his true motivations. Yeah. I think they will only be revealed after he comes back out. Does Supergirl gets her own miniseries, I think. Okay. And that causes the schism between them. I love the idea that the police have just got somebody watching Superman's tomb. Like yeah. they have that level of manpower that they can spur somebody. This is where taxpayers are going. Yeah. Just some guy to sit there and watch it. To just sit there all night, pretending to be a homeless dude, and yeah. watch what's going on at the tomb. So clearly, based on what's happened already, Maggie Sawyer is like, I don't trust these guys to not do something again. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's how she's justifying it to the taxpayer. We get more gangbuster melodrama. Yeah, we get more gangbuster stuff that I just don't care about. <laughs> Sorry. Again, I'm sure he's a lovely man, but I'm not that bothered about it. Jonathan's having trouble sleeping. But this is one of the issues that I felt really lay into your idea that this is a little bit filler. Yeah. This felt like we don't get that much new information. We know that Cadmus want the body. Yeah. We know that they're going to get the body by hook or by crook. Yeah. This felt like a bit of... I mean, it was nice seeing Dan Turpin. I, I love Turpin and Sawyer. Well, it, it felt like a lot of these middle issues were just Cadmus and the tunnels. We spent about three, four issues yeah. in the tunnels. In the tunnels. Talking about the tunnels. And Lex having to justify to the SCU why the tunnels are there. Yeah. And he's all like, oh, well, they were, they were already there. And, I, you know, I use them for <laughs> smuggling. I didn't think I'd be smuggling myself. That And he, he makes up these lame excuses. And... You don't buy them. So I thought it was really cute that Dan Turpin doesn't buy them. Yeah. That was a nice little character beat, that Dan Turpin was all the way through this, Turpin doesn't trust him. No. Because he's like, I don't care that you're his son. You know, the egg, the apple never falls far from the tree. Yeah. Turpin doesn't believe him. But it seems like he sucked everybody else in. Mm. And as good as the art is in this sequence, and as good as the Supergirl stuff is, I I felt this one was kind of like spinning wheels a bit. Well, I feel like in defense of it, this is where it realized, you know, it's still a Superman comic. You mm. need to throw some punches. So I think that's kind of why this is, you know, let's let Supergirl fight up some monsters for a mm. bit. So I kind of don't mind it for that. You've also got the thing as well that this really does emphasize how important a supporting cast is to a comic book. Yeah. They couldn't have done they couldn't do this as well in later iterations of Superman mm. because he didn't have this supporting cast that were as important. Or even in many other comics like what other characters have a, a backup cast like this? Yeah, cuz even Spider-Man back then, mm. most of his supporting cast were normal people, yeah. which was the appeal of it. At least Superman's was a nice mixture of scientists and police. And yeah, other and people. other yeah. super people. So there was, there was. Yeah, you're right. I don't know that there's any, many other comic strips that could have pulled this off. Mm. That it could have done as many issues without the main character. Yeah, and them still actually be interested, because they've done such a job prior to this, of developing all these supporting cast. Yeah, over many years. It's another one of those lightning in a bottle things that you couldn't do this in many other time periods. No, and to be fair, that is a testament of the writers to be able to maintain mm -hmm. a narrative without your main star. Yeah, and be able to pull it off. And again, Action Comics 686, which is part six of Fearing for a Friend, that double-page splash, I'm sorry. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That's Kirby. He just, Jackson Guys just really likes... Kirby. Yeah, and well, and that's great. I really like Kirby. 
but I'm not buying a comic that's drawn by Jack Kirby. Yeah. I don't mind the odd homage. I don't mind the odd panel. I don't mind the odd tip of the hat kind of thing. Yeah. But he's drawing every single issue and every single panel. The fight, This fight scene with Guardian is practically a Kirby fight scene, isn't it? Yeah. And it's it's not sitting well as well with me now. I mean, I don't know if it did then. I don't think I paid much attention to it, to be honest with you. But it, it's not sitting as well with me as it was. It's this point that you finally get the backstory on Lex. So if you weren't aware of this, they finally... So they do a good job of dueling out the exposition as well. Yeah. That if you haven't read this or you are reading this in isolation, you are now up to speed that this Lex isn't all that he says he is. Mm. I don't know that they've mentioned anywhere that he's Australian. They may have done. I may have missed that. I think someone mentions it once. Right, okay. To explain the speech patterns. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of the Cadmus... I don't really care that much about Newsboy Legion. No, me neither. And They're I, just another Kirby concept. Yeah, and I don't really care that much about Double X. Other no. than he's a play on the X-Men. With Double X. Oh, it's a Double X. You, you got that, right? <laughs> this is just another Command-E thing, right? You are kidding. It's a Double X. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> a bit... <laughs> Command D. Because <laughs> I, I, I read it was double X or something like that. No, he's double X. Right. <laughs> <Get out. laughs> Some things don't change, do they? Oh, yes, double X. Yes, double X. Jesus. Oh, well, okay. But again, like you said before, this is another issue of wandering around in tunnels. Yeah. And trying to find out what's happened to Superman's body. Yeah. And there is a feeling that, if again, comics are different now, they're written different now, how you approach them is different now. If you were writing this for a trade, a lot of this would have been compressed. I yeah. I guess part of me doesn't mind it, especially like... in Because this isn't written for the trade, it is a monthly, so I yeah. don't mind it as much. Again, the only problem is you're reading it in, in isolation like this and you are reading it in a trade. But yeah, I just felt worn out and I just kept thinking nothing's happening. How are people reading this monthly? Nothing is happening. Because it's different when you're... Well, you weren't reading it monthly, you are reading it weekly. Okay, yeah. Oh, the yeah, Superman the, strips the at the that triangles. point. Because yeah. there was four comics yeah. coming out every week. You were yeah. essentially reading a weekly comic. Okay, yeah, yeah. So um, even then, did it not just feel like... No, because it, it it's different experience reading it weekly. It's like the Netflix model versus 24 yeah, which was yeah. written for network television. Yeah, you get away with twenty-four doing repeating some beats because it's weekly. Right. Whereas on Netflix, when you're binging ten episodes and you're like, you could have easily lost two episodes of that. Yeah, it's a different experience. So I don't think it registered with us too much that there were some repetition to the beats when we were reading it as it came out. Or it didn't to me anyway. Legacy of Superman appears here weirdly in both my omnibus and your trade. That's the second edition cover. Yeah. Because it's got the little two above Superman's logo. So it's Superman 2. So you could rip that S off and and throw it over something. Which would be awesome. I didn't rate this one. No, me neither. This one felt like padding to me. Especially when none of it happened. So this Newsboy Legion story with the escape DNA disc. By Walt Simon. By the time we get to the next issue, this didn't actually happen. Hmm. And a lot of this one felt to me like just answering some pedantry, 
pedantic questions that your hardcore fans would have. Right. Like your hardcore fans would be going, but what about this? And what about this? And this is them answering those questions before they can, you know, yeah. well actually them. But it doesn't matter either because this, this, you can take this story out and nothing happens. Yeah. The next issue contradicts it already. Yeah. And Rosenthorn, I like Rosenthorn, but I'm like, why is this here? It just felt more like a series of backdoor pilots than anything yeah, else. Yeah, that's true. And I wonder, would I rather have had Team Supergirl and Lex in this? Or mm. Team Luther and Supergirl instead of this? Yeah. Because I don't have Team Supergirl and Luther in this story. You do. Yeah. I don't have that. The Gangbuster one, we've already mentioned I'm not overly bothered about Gangbuster. He's like, you know, Poundland Batman. Yeah. So I'm not that bothered about him. Nice, again, nice artwork. I like the art. My favourite story in this is the, the Lex one. Yeah. Again, it's showing Lex to be a little bit of a bastard. Oh, Lex is great in this yes. one. Just the way he manipulates yeah. the entire thing. Even shooting somebody to get one his own One of these members work. of staff. Yeah. But this never makes real reference to the fact that this is referencing the Sinbad story. Yeah. From the Superman comics. And it still kind of works without it. Mm -hmm. It works, but they don't make any reference to that, really, do they? No. She's got a brother. Mm -hmm. Her brother's got superpowers. And used to be Sinbad. And that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's enough, though, I guess. It's nice seeing Kurt Swan. I love Kurt Swan. Yeah, it's nice seeing some Kurt Swan artwork in this. And that that was my favourite story of the lot. The next one, this one's weird. The Wave Rider one's got lovely art. By it's Dan really Jurgens muddy on mine. I don't know if it's Travis Scott. the printing or the inking, but mine just looks a bit muddy. Let's have a say. Yeah, maybe, because yeah. on my paper it looks fine, doesn't it? Oh, God, oh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is. there does seem to be slight difference in the printing. But this one was the most interesting one in regards to what we were discussing about. They know that Superman's coming back, but we're supposed to think that he's not. Yeah. Because, you know, these Wave Rider's trying to save his life, and... What's his face? It's just kind of like, oh, you know, you know, we gotta let him die. He's supposed to die, you know, because we know what comes next. It's like, but he's he's not. Mm. You can see through time. You know that he comes back. You literally time travelers. You can see that he can come back. But that goes to what I was saying to you that this feels like them answering pedantic questions that the well actually lot would push the specs up the nose and go, well actually, yeah, Wave Rider could. So this is them preempting that question, yeah, and doing that. <clears throat> Doc, lame Doctor Who thing. It's yep. a fixed point in time. We can't do anything about it. And you're like, well, it's only a fixed point in time because you say it is. But also his argument is there is this case of like, all right, why don't we go back and save everyone else then? Yeah. You, you know, we're not going to do that. No. And it's so it's, yeah. That, I mean, it was fine. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Um, Funeral for a Friend 7 was in Man of Steel 21. That's one of my favourite covers. Because it's also a remake of one of the best shots of the movie as yeah. well. Yeah. Jonathan Kent's passed out with his heart attack in the field. Just the the whole the the blue skies, the yellow fields, the light from the house shining the way for Martha to run and find him. Mm -hmm. And like you say, yeah, it is very reminiscent of the scene in Superman the movie where Clark and Martha are at his funeral and the camera pans back and you get da, 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 all that. It's really cool. But yeah, so I'm kind of tired of seeing the Waynes die in every single piece of media to the point where it's kind of lost all of its impacts. When done well, so excluding one certain specific example, <laughs> the death of the death of Jonathan Kent is still very impactful whenever it happens. Yes. Well, it's also 
the thing with it, it's always learning a valuable lesson for the character. Like in Superman the movie, it's the all those things I can do, all those powers scene. Yeah. That I couldn't save him. And that ties into the ending yeah. where he chooses to save Lois. Yeah. And go against Jorel's wishes. Mm-hmm. So he chooses his father's path. Yeah. Basically. You are here for a reason. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan's Kent death plays into all of that. Here, Superman Clark dying, he essentially he's lost his will to live. Yeah, and the, all the flashbacks in it are just really good. Mm. Again, the Kent stuff is just some of the best things about this. But I like the gender flipping of this. Right. Which I think is very brave for them at this time. You'd think it was his mum who wouldn't have the strength to go on. Right, okay, Because yeah. that's tra- the traditional gender rules, isn't it? And that's how it's portrayed. Yeah. The fact that they make it Jonathan, who doesn't have the strength to go on, Yeah. was really interesting at the time that they did it. But uh, again, in regards to that, I think you pointed this out a long time, a while ago. It's very American to kind of focus on the importance of that father-son relationship. Mm-hmm. It's always American dramas where it's like... It's the, they're obsessed the dad with problems. their daddy issues. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. I've said this a, an awful lot of it. Once you notice it, you can't not notice it. Yeah. That so much American drama is obsessed with daddy issues. Yeah. And then you're like, oh yeah. Because <laughs> the example... What I read once, an example of it was it's hard to imagine Avon in Blake 7 having daddy issues. Okay. It's hard to imagine Avon giving a shit what his dad thought. Right. And being worried about that. But when you look at you look at it in isolation, every single TV show you can pretty much mention on film of recent vintage, mm-hmm. it's issues with the father. Right, okay. Or whatever. So there is that. There is that it's his, is his relationship with Jonathan stronger than Martha. Is that what they're saying? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. But I, I perceive this as a flipping of that. Right. That you'd think traditional gender norms would be the mum wouldn't be able to cope. Mm. And the man would be stoic and true. Yeah. And dear, they flipped the script, which I thought was quite brave of them. And interesting. And also does lead into, very nicely, into Adventures of Superman 500, which is my favourite story in a lot of this. It's my favourite of all of them as well. But we haven't got to that yet. Uh, you've got Lois with her killer figure, wearing a swimsuit, going into action, kicking ass. I love Lois Lane actually doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is where it kind of feels like she she's come back into the narrative a bit more importantly. Yeah. Like she's snapping out of her grief. Yeah. She's made it into the acceptance part of it. Yeah. And she's moving on. And so all of that's interesting. And but it's her story that inadvertently leads to Jonathan's heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funnier as well, because in the next issue she goes, oh, I had to censor it because I don't want to upset the Kents. Yes, and it's still giving him a massive heart attack. <laughs> so, uh, good job there, Lois, to be fair. Uh, is there, there's nothing in between there. No, we go straight no, to Superman 27, which again is the second print cover. Yeah. Which and is again, weird. Great cover. And that, Yeah, that's a brilliant cover by Jürgens and Breeden of him flying off into the light. I feel like now, at this stage, we've started firing on all cylinders again. We've picked up the pace. Mm-hmm. We know where we want to go. We're back on it now. Yeah. This, this is a great issue. Uh, I absolutely adore that Dan Jürgens draws in Dan Jürgens' style. Yeah. Except for the Lex Luthor flashbacks. Jürgens does a great burn. Yeah. Aping jo- this is what I'm on about. This is when I don't mind it. Yeah. Because he's cl- that's clearly a John Byrne Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lex Luthor, sorry. On that page, which is page two of the story, page I don't know, 403 of the Omnibus. 
But that doesn't make any difference, does it? It depends which version of the omnibus exactly, you get. Yeah. <laughs> Page numbers are useless in this particular regard. But yeah, and what I love about that is the red-headed Australian Lex is all Jürgens. Yeah. And the bald, fat Lex is all John Byrne on the same page. Yeah. To me, that's where he's earning his artistic chops. That's homage, not copying. Yeah, and it's really brilliantly done. And I love this. It's his distraction that lets Sasha kick him in the face. Yep. But his ego won't let him tolerate that a woman he just is flattened him. Still Lex Luthor. Yeah. And oh. Lois Lewis says that the old Lex Luthor would have killed yeah. her. He can't handle that a woman just sparked him out. Mm-hmm. His ego won't cope for it. And he kills her for it. Yep. And I that doesn't have any payoff here. Because obviously that's setting up beyond Reign and Return well, it, of Superman. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does pay off. They eventually nail him for it. Right. Somebody notices her disappearance. I can't remember if it's Lois or not. Oh, so it's the same incident that and kind of And they start off. investigating right, okay. her disappearance. And Lois makes this connection. Right, okay. That's forward planning. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because they're clearly setting this up here that they can tell that story later down the line. Mm-hmm. Now, if it isn't forward planning and it's just damn good luck... Then it's good writing. Fur play yeah. <laughs> to them for picking up that thread later. But, I, yeah, this was a great issue because it's you've got that duality, though, with Lex is not what he's pretending to be. Mm-hmm. You've got the whole thing with Jonathan and Lois finally realising something's wrong and going to him and trying to help Jonathan while he's on the operating table. You've got some wonderful is the is that Tom Grummet Superman? In well, the new in the photos. I don't know because there are Because there are places where they do cut and paste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't tell if that is cut and paste there or if that's Jurgen's aping Grummet, because if it is, again he's done an excellent job. Is that with the the Clark and Superman? That's a riff, isn't it? Lois tries to pin him. Yes. And he gets someone... Doesn't he get Bruce to play Superman No, doesn't he get Supergirl to do it? Isn't that... I may be misremembering the timeline, but I think it's around the time that Supergirl's living with the Kents. But because she's an amorphous blob, she's by gender. So again, they were ahead of the time, though. (laughs) And she pretends to be Clark. Right, okay. But it is the the reference to an earlier issue. Yes, where they get out of explaining that Clark is Superman. Yep. By having Lois see Clark and Superman at the same time together. Okay. And they concoct this whole theory that, yeah, we found Superman's rocket and we raised him as Clark's brother. And right. they never mention that again. Right. Because let's be honest, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> and it, it raises more questions than it answers. Yeah. Because then Lois is like, all right, so where did Superman go to school? That Did he go to school with you? Did he go to Smallville High with you? Did he go as Superman? <laughs> what name did he Yeah, was that, was that his name? What what? It, it doesn't make a lick of sense if you analyse it. It's yeah. one of those places where Burn overanalyzed something that did not need explaining. Yeah. And he does that a shit ton yeah. in his work. And here, this is one of the few references to it after it happened. Okay. It's like the new creative team came in after John Byrne left and they quickly looked at that and went, yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that looks a bit dumb. So this is one of the few times that they mention that. I like the news time stuff as well because, well, that is actually the cover of the news time yeah. issue as well. But what's weird about that though, the news time magazine, yeah, is not in my omnibus, but in your trade, it's it the, ended the previous edition. It's the last issue of the death of, yeah. But it hasn't happened yet. Nope. 
So it's in a really weird place in your trade paperbacks. <laughs> but at least it's in there. So. Yes, whereas me, mine, it's not there at all. I mean, it's not important, is it? No, it's kind it's of... It's cute. It's cute in what it is, and it seeds, like, foreshadows events. So there's an ad, a travel ad for Co-City that says, right. everything's booming in Co-City. Ah, you see what they did there. Yeah. Clever. But yeah, so you don't need... I don't miss that. No. I do kind of miss the Team Luther issue. Mm. But yeah, I, I I genuinely like this issue. I like that you're getting a closeness between Supergirl and Lois. I Before like... she ditches it. Her, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lois doesn't take that shit lying down. No, it's just funny, like, daydream and away. All right, sod you. Yeah, and I like... And she doesn't even take her somewhere else. She just dumps her in the middle of the snow. But, but here we've got a, lot, a very proactive Lois Lane. Who joins the outsiders. Yeah, because we've already established that she's an army brat. Yeah. She was raised in army barracks because her dad was a soldier. Mm-hmm. So she's never settled down anywhere. She's gone from place to place to place yeah. and picked up a lot of knowledge along the way. And you can't help but wonder how much of these this backstory people would kick off at nowadays. Right. That Lois is <clears throat> as capable as any man. Yeah, well, she is. Yeah. <laughs> how do you think she's risen to the top in a male-dominated profession? She's very capable. I'd sometimes found it was a bit ghoulish how many times they would show a Superman's dead body. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I get that this is taking place over a very compressed time frame, but is he not started to decay? I mean, not just that, but just he's been moved and knocked about so much. Guy's dead, dude. Just let him rest. Yeah, leave the guy alone. Like, when he finally comes back, he should have made some comment like, yeah, I just needed to rest and recharge my cells if someone would let me rest. (laughs) Well, you've got the thing as well at this point. <laughs> Would Supergirl be not like, look, I'm just going to take him and cremate him in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Because I have had enough of this amount of abuse that he's taken. Yeah. The guy's dead. Let him rest. And if she'd done that, the <laughs> story's <laughs> over. <laughs> Superman is dead. She just throws his coffin into the sun, gives him a salute. Like, <laughs> you know, this is the only way we could create cremate you. Yeah. So, sorry, dude. And that could have been how he came back to life. Yeah. The solar powers regenerate. You wouldn't. Need, you don't need any of this rain stuff. <laughs> oh, that's that's the origin of of Grant Morrison's Golden Superman. Yeah, there you go. I'm I'm down with that. But yeah, I think Jurgen's art's brilliant here, and I love this last couple of pages. Where on the one hand, Lex Luthor reveals his true colours. Yeah. Beautifully drawn. I love that last panel where he basically becomes a <clears throat> Frank Miller character. Mm-hmm. And he, it's like when Frank Miller takes the Kingpin in Daredevil. And he turns him from a John Romita senior character into a Frank Miller character. You ever seen that sequence of panels? I don't think he so. He draws him as John Romita senior drew him. Right. Okay. And then in the very last panel, he has him light a cigarette. Yeah. And the lighting makes him a Frank Miller character. Okay. And that's how he draws him from then on. That's cool. And this is the same. He basically, that underlit face yeah. of Lex is very well drawn. And then you finally get Lex accepting that he's dead. And maybe I didn't kill you, but I've got the last laugh. That's Lex's whole thing of, if I can't kill you, then at least I'm going to bury you. And so that was beautifully handled. And then Jonathan dies. And this ended it. Right. This is what I mean. This, there was the letters pages for this, this era. Yeah. They would always have next issue, action comics, whatever. The week after that, Adventures of Superman. The week after that, Man of Steel. The week after that. Yeah. And every, leading up to this, there is no information on Adventures 499 at this time. Okay. So you got to this issue and there was like, there is no next issue. Right, There's okay. nothing. We're done. He's dead. 
Right. There's no more. And people were like, what? Yeah. Because at the very least, they'd done enough of a job with the supporting characters to think the strip would carry on. Yeah. But no, they ended it. Okay. And it went away. And then this is where Legacy of Superman came out. And then a couple of weeks, like I said, Team Luther would come out. And then the Newstime magazine. Oh, so Legacy is actually later on than it I think is, so. is collected. Yeah, I think that came... I'm remembering that coming out in The Gap. I could right. be wrong. I don't know. But then finally, Adventures of Superman 500 came out. And this has a lenticular cover and came in a poly bag. I do. Because I've read. Yeah, I've got, the first, I think The first the time I read got, this, it was your issues. Yeah. yeah, so I remember that. And this was Jerry Ordway's swan song. The art in this is stunning. Um, Jerry writes it, but Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood pencil and ink it. I love all the limbo stuff is coloured. And it looks like it's inked differently. It does, yeah. It looks like there's a different approach taken to the artwork in the limbo stuff. And I honestly felt this one hit a lot harder now that we've not we've lost Grandad. Mm-hmm. There was a there was it was a much more touching story than it was prior. When you've lost somebody important to you, this story means more. And I love that it's Jonathan who doesn't give in. Superman's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I've had enough. I'm going into the light, dude. Yeah. And it's Jonathan who's like, no, you're not done. Well, Jonathan Kent's great in this. The whole kind of... I liked the concept of putting him out of his place. Mm-hmm. He's completely out of his place in this. He's dealing with things far beyond his comprehension. Beyond Ken but he's, Barbie. <laughs> but he's, he's speaking to gods and biblical beings. And he's like, I don't know what you are, but get out of my way. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's defending his child. Which is I thought was great. Again, it's the gangbuster stuff that I'm not that bothered about. I liked that he kind of cocked up and he was like, oh, "Okay, this is the last draw now. I'm getting out of here." Yeah, he gets shot. He's like bad Daredevil. Yeah, <laughs> but he does not. He doesn't even have Daredevil's extra senses. It's um, no. I'm interested in the Jonathan and Clark stuff. That's what I'm here for. And I think this is some of Grummet's best work. Yes. at least his most interesting work, mm-hmm. anyway. Because you've got the whole thing where he, he sees his brother. And his brother, he's like, well, you didn't fight in Korea. What are you doing here? Because yeah. I'm sure originally he fought in World War II. And then the sliding timeline has added, well, now we fought in Korea. And then presumably at some point it was Vietnam. and Okay. Slow on. But is this Korea or is this the Pacific? Th- is this not the Pacific Front? Oh, is it? See, I've, I'm for some reason I thought it was Korea. It, maybe maybe it you're right. Have, it could have still worked. Because like, he's... They say his brother died young. Yeah. So this could have been, you know, he, he fought the... Well, his brother was... fell into a thresher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was hacked <clears throat> to pieces yeah. before Jonathan's young eyes. Because Bird was a sadist. <laughs> so let's not forget that. And then you've got Catherine Grant undergoing sexually harassment in the workplace. And being gaslit into going on a date with yeah. a creepy boss. Yeah. All this gets paid off. Right, She okay. does ultimately get her own back on him. Right. But yes, so... Again, all these issues that people are bringing up now yeah. as as issues that are only just being addressed and have never been addressed. No, you're wrong. <laughs> We've been fighting these fights for a long time. Yeah. Women have. You know, maybe we should start listening to them. <laughs> if it's been... This is 30 years old, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's all I'm saying. Maybe we should listen to people. That's your public service announcement <laughs> for this particular show. I didn't get the pranks to bit. Is that not... Paying off later on? Is that is that? I don't remember. I, I don't remember no if the idea. prankster comes back later. He doesn't come back in Rain and Return, does he? 
Not as far as I so remember. So if they are, they're setting up stuff from beyond yeah. the Reign and Return of Superman, which is... I love Ron Troop. Mm-hmm. They brought him in as a reporter, you know, to add some diversity. Again, <laughs> 35 years ago, we were having the same <laughs> conversations. Uh, yeah, and then once he gets to fighting with Satanus, again, the just the, the progression of art panels and going into full-page splashes and Jonathan's handling of these situations that are completely beyond mm-hmm. his understanding are absolutely fantastic. It's so good. But I also like he travels through different concepts of afterlife as well. Mm-hmm. Here he is with essentially the devil. Yeah. So he's dealing with a biblical idea of it. Yeah. And, and now then he gets he's, his met. he's in a cosmetic idea of it. And then he goes to a Kryptonian concept yeah. of death. And there's a lovely line in the... I thought it would be more crystalline. Yeah. That's a cute gag. I quite like that. Yeah. And you've got Kellex, is there? Kellex the robot. Yeah, yeah. That's quite cute. I always think... I know... The animated series came back later, but whenever I see this this kind of idea of Kryptonian, I was like, that's just the animated series. Mm. But obviously, this came before that. Yeah, the animated series drew heavily from this particular era of comics, as did Lewis and Clark. Uh, Gangbusters drunk. Yeah. Now he's drunk, no devil. <laughs> Which is fair enough, I guess. And then Superman final... That splash page. The only thing wrong with that splash page is he's not wearing his cape. Mm. That would have been a brilliant panel if he'd been wearing his cape. But, I mean, it still works. There's a, there's a lot of splash pages in this one, but just those two next to each other yeah, as well. they are fantastic. And they're next to each other in both versions as well. And it felt great as well, because, you know, finally Superman's quote-unquote back. back. Well, that's everyone thought this was it. Everyone thought, that, well, all right, they brought him back in Actors 500. Adventures 500. Because this is what it's all building towards mm-hmm. now. Jonathan brings him back, and that's what we pick up the pace much more now. Yes. It's like, he's back, he's back, he's coming back. Where is he? Got to go find him, because he's back. Yeah, and he clearly comes through yeah. with Jonathan, and then Jonathan wakes up. Yep. Because it just reminds me... But also, the shot of Jonathan waking up next to the Superman yep. statue as well. Yeah, because they're, they're not being heavy-handed with it, I don't think. I think they're doing what they're doing. It reminds me so much of Limbo, that Magnum P.I. episode. Okay. Which is essentially, he's in the same position. Yeah. He's shot, he's in hospital, Higgins is looking after him, but he's helping his daughter. Okay. And he's trying to make sure his daughter's okay. And at the end of it, he walks off into the light. The idea being he was going to die. Yeah. But then Higgins brings him back. He calls him back. Higgins yeah. calls him back. So there's there's that. It has that memory of it as well. And then Lois is on a plane and she's like, there's a flying man. Yeah. And your trade paperback ends here, doesn't it? Yeah, so we build it up and then we have nothing but, oh, he's back. Oh, I'm hearing stories. The little girl was rescued. Oh, mm-hmm. they did this. So we have all of these stories building up until, yeah, they find the coffin and it's empty and that's it. And your trade ends there. But the omnibus carries on with the first sightings. Yeah. Which I do believe were in Adventures 500. So you've got the Man of Steel, which is John Henry Irons, and the, the Toast Makers. The Toast Makers. They're, they're not the big weapons. They have a proper name. Right, okay. Because they make you toast. Hey. Hey. Again... This one I thought was a bit more iffy than Mitch. White people writing street dialogue. Yeah. That, you know. (laughs) Some things don't age well. Yeah, that was a bit what. But was it not kind of this writing style that led to the creation of Milestone? It may have been. It may, because there is a thing like, why did you not just get, you know, Dwayne McDuffie to write these pages? (laughs) 
Hey, Dwayne, <laughs> just just run your eyes over these, <laughs> this script. And if you want to make any changes, that'd be great. But yeah, but yeah, Man of Steel shows up. Then you've got the first sighting of the Kryptonite Superman. Man of the, Tomorrow. What's he called? The the Eradicator. Yes, he will ultimately be the Eradicator. Great stuff. Yeah, I love the Eradicator. That's Jack. That's Jack and that's Jackson Grice. Yeah, because that, that's really good. Yeah, with what he's doing with that. Yeah, I love this. I love the reveal of all of them, and it's interesting that John Henry Irons is the only one not wearing an S. Yeah, he's the only, and he's as you go along, he's the only one who doesn't say he's Superman. Yes, he's he always plays that down. The Eradicator, his, his dialogue is just so over the top. I love it. Right. There is no escape for such as you. You must pay the price for your crimes. Holy mother of God! <laughs> I love the over-the-top writing I on love, the Eradicator. I love the Eradicator. He was my favourite, sad to say. Terminator Superman's yeah. my favourite still, but I love the... Like, this is uh, Superman as a bad guy done well. Yes. And again, this will be advertising. This will be addressing the criticisms that, well, why didn't you just kill people? Yeah. Make him more like the Punisher. Yeah. And people go, we don't want to make him like the Punisher. Because look how the Punisher's worked out for people. Yeah. Uh, Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood doing uh, Superboy. This was the least interesting little mini story because it's just, he's broke out of Cadmus. There's not really a lot to it. Okay. They, drew, they do drop some seeds. Like he punches the grill away from the, the pipe. But one of them points out, well, if he punched it, it should have some damage on it. And that's obviously his tectile telekinesis. Okay. So there's the setting some stuff up there. And he's very, don't call me Superboy. He gets the leather jacket and the, he's not got the pouches, but he's got the... Yeah. All the, the things around. Belts. Yeah. So he's very image. And then, yeah, you get Cyborg Superman. This one's brilliant. I love that this is practically a silent couple of pages with no dialogue. And he shows up and melts the memory of Superman thing. And then just says, I'm back. Yeah. And you're clearly supposed to think of Terminator. What's with the colouring error there in his belt? Oh, yeah. What's with all that? I don't know. Because that kind of spoils the image. And it's it's a bit of a shame. And that is the end of Funeral for a Friend. And you see what I did there? I did. I made it right. So, final thoughts. It's my least favourite for like some of the reasons that we've addressed so it, mm. it's it's treading its wheels it's not going anywhere what works what they do well they do really well yeah the only problem with is they don't there's not enough of that there's a lot of everything else that's a bit dull it's a bit we're not making any progress the cadmus stuff i agree with you i think the cadmus stuff gets a bit repetitious and like you said, there's two or three issues in the middle of this that is them just wandering around tunnels. Yeah. It's the episode of Doctor Who where they escape, get captured and escape again. Right, yeah. You're just, they're just padding out an episode. So wandering around caves or BBC corridors. So it's the same principle. But yeah, the beats that they get right, Lex Luthor yeah. and Lois mm-hmm. and Jonathan and Martha and them all coming to accept that he's gone, all of that stuff's gold. Yeah. And again... It's a completely different reading experience now than it was when you were there, man. <laughs> reading it weekly and not knowing yeah. that reading these blurbs in the letters page, there is no information of Adventures of Superman 500 at this time. Mm. And you're like, oh God, right, have, they, have they really ended it? Well, I think it's unfortunate as well that it's the longest one, so it feels more like it's being dragged out. Uh, you know, Death Of was quite punchy. Yeah. 
<laughs> literally. Reign of um, Return is all very kind of action-packed. It moves fast. Yeah, it's very Michael Bay action Ev- movie. Everything happens in every... Whereas this one is not only the longest, but it's the slowest. And I feel like that's to its detriment a bit more. But the character beats work. Well, maybe there should have, should have been more of that. There should have been less issues, less filler, less Cadmus. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. That's what we thought. What did you think? Uh, we can be reached. Hey, kids, comics at virginmedia.com. Mm-hmm. The email address is still live. Is it? Yeah. Do we still get emails? I still Fans. get email. I get email from Palace of Glitter and Delight. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's the other show, isn't it? Yes, that's my other show. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if there's any interest. <laughs> see, we're starting from scratch again, dude. We are. We're, we're going from nothing. We're not the biggest group in the world anymore. No, no, we're not. Uh, we're not Oasis. <laughs> we're Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, which I wouldn't wish on anybody. <laughs> well, I always consider myself Blur. Maybe that's why we broke up in the first place. They say never get back with your ex. We're not the Beatles, we're Wings. <laughs> but, you know, who, who can discount uh, Merry Christmas? Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. That is true. And Mulliken Tire. Yeah. And then it could be worse. It could be Paul McCartney doing the frog chorus. So, you know. We could always be temporary secretary. We I could. aspire to be. Yes. <laughs> it could be that. So, um, we're on social media. Come and say hi. Uh, and let us know what you think of Hey Kids Comics. Mark 2. Mark 2. Oh, that's good. Boogaloo. I like that. That's yeah. quality. Right, we'll see you next time with the rain slash return of Superman in one month. It's a date. Everything's going to be okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production and hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All opinions expressed in the show are the opinions of the hosts and no one else. The free-to-use music that closes and opens the show was the sci-fi cyberbunk trailer by somebody called Stringer Bell on the pixabay.com free-to-use website. Thank you very much to him. If you would like to support the show, you can buy Michael and I, or both of us, or one of us, a coffee. Go to co-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash Leyland. In one month, an all-new episode of Hey Kids Comics, coming in your ears. It's a date.